0: Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Corey Walsh for the Sword. How you doing, Corey? I'm
1: doing all right, Mac. You know, these this final schedule sucks, but <laughs> there's a lot of like no, no games during the week anymore. I, I got spoiled with every day pretty much being an Eastern Conference Final or Western Conference Final game. Now we're just in four-day droughts.
0: Yeah, it's odd scheduling with two teams that I loathe, but I still pay attention, you know, when I say loathe, I, I mean it, like, I, I cannot stay in Golden State, but they're such a brilliantly run organization, and then you have Boston, who is a perennial Cleveland <laughs> enemy, so... I mean, well, I, there's not too much else I can say there that Cavs fans don't already know. But uh, one thing I got to say about them both is that they are organically built for the most part. And you love to see that in an era where like teams consistently try and buy and put together teams, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, now it seems like this is what teams are going to try to build. Cause, like, the NBA is like the NFL in a way where it's like a copycat league. And whatever the Super Bowl champions construction style was the year before is suddenly what the teams try to do in the offseason, and never seem to succeed in that format. And then it just, the chalkboard gets erased when the next champion is crowned. And then everyone's like, oh, well, I guess we'll do the same thing. <laughs> and then the champions roster usually just gets picked apart so
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so you could see that well actually you know what i take that back i think you might see that on golden state's end because i think they still have to figure out what's going to happen with jordan Poole and i think kavon looney Mm -hmm. don't quote me on that but no he is you're right yeah so so yeah they are going to have to figure out some contractual stuff but you know you never know with golden state they they usually are pretty good at selling guys on taking less money um they i don't know i don't know how the hell they do it maybe it's just the appeal of being like a a perennial contender but then you look at boston i don't think boston will have the same problem
1: do you no i feel like boston's pretty much set i think they're gonna kind of stand pat they don't really have many moving parts they've pretty much locked up every viable option on their team but Golden State overall, like you said. They're also in that weird spot we said last episode where they're like between two different timelines. So it's like, do they want to push more towards the younger timeline? Kind of, which in that case would be to sign back pool. Not necessarily Looney. Looney's like sneaky old kind of. <laughs> so <laughs> but could be a, a good bargain backup big for the Cavs if uh no one like Detroit doesn't salivate over what they've seen, which obviously could happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and then, like, just to kind of loop this into the Cleveland of it all, you know, you you kind of see what Cleveland is doing right now and trying to build organically through the draft. Um, They still have some holdovers from, well, at least one holdover (laughs) from the championship team and Kevin Love. But by and large, they have put their team together via the draft and some savvy, you know, veteran additions over the last few years. When you think about Ricky Rubio coming in um, and a few others, but... You know they are. They appear to just be you know a piece or two away from being right back in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference, and you know that kind of starts with retaining a guy who's been here for the last three years in Colin Sexton. And I know we were kind of talking about this off air before uh, before we went live here, but I know Chris Fedor just. Put out a new you know report recently in regards to Darius Garland, and he was straight up asked apparently whether or not you know what his thoughts are on Cleveland retaining Colin, and you know he gave the obligatory response that we usually get out of guys who are just trying to stay out of it all, and that is you know I hope he resigns, but I don't control any of that pretty much. Uh, so <clears throat> on a scale of one to ten, I just want to ask this, like because we've seen a lot come out over the past few weeks in regards to Colin. And um, I guess before I ask you, I should just point out a couple of things that people may or may not be privy to. Uh, first thing being that there are really only five teams in free, in free agency that are going to have a realistic shot at making an offer to Colin Sexton. <laughs> and really when you think about those teams, I think it's Indiana, Washington is in the mix. You have San Antonio you have Detroit and I think Orlando. Um, of those five teams, I believe it was said that Indiana and Detroit really, really covet possibly being able to bring him in because not only the fact that they could pair him with a probably much better fit in regards to size in, uh, in Detroit with Kate Cunningham in that backcourt. That would be a pretty fun backcourt to watch, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. And then sure. uh with Indiana, you could pair him with Tyrese Halliburton, which would also, you know, probably from a again, purely from a size standpoint, would be a better mix than him and DG. Um, that said, you know, those other three teams, I clearly I, I just don't see San Antonio forking over a ton of cash uh to to pair him with DeJounte Murray um Orlando's pretty damn set on guards so I don't think they're <laughs> fighting and then Washington I think the the appeal with them was a sign and trade so um we know that it's been said that um Sexton's camp is looking for starting guard money whatever that means yeah <laughs> which um I think it was reported that 20 plus mil was the starting point for him and uh Cleveland man they they really have all the leverage here <laughs> And so the reason I bring all this up, my friend, is just to say, you know, just to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that Colin Sexton will be donning the wine and gold this upcoming season?
1: Uh, I think it probably like a nine. Honestly, I don't really see many situations in which he's going to leave. It would have to probably be one of the most enticing sign in trades for this Cavs team where they really feel like they'll take a massive step forward, which that's usually not how sign in trades work. It's kind of just like a consolation for losing a player that you obviously wanted, but just couldn't match the money for. When I'm they- pretty sure LeBron was a
0: sign and trade when he left Cleveland the first time, wasn't he? That was a sign and trade. To an extent,
1: I can't remember the exact details behind it, but I'm pretty sure it was. The Cavs got depression and years of sadness. (laughs) And in return, Miami got four years of championship runs. Seems fair to me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they prepared Cleveland. (laughs) Well, they prepared uh, both Cleveland and LeBron for an eventual title by acquiring Kyrie Irving. (laughs) Thank you for
1: the service, Miami. You you really did us good.
0: Yeah. And then helping LeBron grow up, add different parts to his game. They didn't have um, primarily three point shooting. So, yeah.
1: And another finals loss on his resume to the almighty 2011 Dallas Mavericks with yeah. Dirk Nowitzki and Jason Terry.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> all jokes aside, yeah, that's the sign and shades. I think people are not like truly understanding what that would look like.
1: Yeah, especially Washington's. Like, what would Washington's sign trade be? be? Like, you get KCP and Corey Kispert, Colin Sexton, <laughs> quality pieces. Cavs would be like three point
0: shooting. What? <laughs> what is this? Quality shooting at its finest. Yeah. KCP so you see-
1: without the ankle bracelet, and you got yourself <laughs> a deal.
0: <laughs> so, so, you're at a nine. Like, that means you must feel really good about him suiting up for Cleveland. Like, and let me take it a step further and ask you this. You think it's on a one-year deal, the qualifying offer, or uh, or a multi-year extension?
1: I'd probably say a four-year deal. I heard that's what Sexton's camp wants, and Cleveland, would, if they wanted to give him the deal, would want five. I feel like it's still going to be four. Maybe a fourth with like a player option for five, possibly. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to speculate the cap situation because we're not a cap podcast. No, no, we would have to have a cap expert on here for that. I'm We're going to attempt to jump into it. <laughs> I usually simulate that part of my GM.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Me both, man. Uh,
1: but, yeah, uh, I, uh, I think the Sexton situation, in my mind, I think there's a lot of chatter going around, probably produced by his camp in some ways to try to be like to the Cavs, like there are teams interested out there, and if you don't give him what he wants, someone else is going to, and I don't doubt that teams like Detroit are – licking their chops at the opportunity that because colin sexton in this free agency market is obviously one of the top players available even yeah. coming off of an injury so it's a very dry market this offseason but that's also with like three names that we don't even know are available right now via trade but right now colin sexton's definitely at the top of most teams boards, just not necessarily in terms of what they want but in terms of talent available yeah we haven't had a good free agency class in a while Mm-mm. and I think I read in that
0: same report that Lowry marketing um you know he was a restricted free agent last season and he, nobody bid on him um <laughs> so uh and Colin Sexton is obviously a better player I think we would both agree that Colin Sexton is a much better player than Lowry marketing that's no slight to him but I still fail to see a you know a reality in which anybody you know Cleveland included that's going to pay him you know starting guard money you know whatever that may be because they would have gotten an extension nailed down already like prior to this season even beginning um you know i think it was rumored that they were offering him what was it five 100 same mm-hmm. like jared allen type money yeah and he didn't want that so i just i don't see a future in which like if it's a four-year deal you would think that colin would want um comparable money to at least Terry Rozier, which I think he was receiving somewhere on annual around 24, you know, 23, 24 uh, a year. So I do not see where Colin would get that. I just don't, not in not in Cleveland uh, at this point in time with the way that we've kind of seen their thought processes going and not with another team. And the crazy part about all this is, man, Colin just might have no choice but to resign for longevity like for secure long-term reasons like coming off a torn meniscus uh, injury and you know all indications are that he's full steam ahead and you know he's recovering and rehabbing great but i don't know it's just a fine line to toe because um i i really cannot see anybody willing to shell out like 23 24 mil to to, to acquire him and you know we know cleveland can match any offer they get
1: yeah, the thing about the Pacers team links that really just dumbfounds me is how how can Indiana's GM room sit together and just be like, you know what, we need another guard because they have so many guards on that team. They have Brogdon, Halliburton, Heald, and now Sexton. Anything is, I think, Buddy Heald might be a free agent.
0: Yeah, I think he's only got one year left on his after this next season. Don't quote me on that, but. Um, I could definitely see in which they're like, you know what, let's prioritize Colin, acquiring Colin over re-signing or retaining um, Heald. Or I mean, Brogden.
1: I think Brogdon's been linked to the Knicks a few times this offseason yeah. too. But what guard hasn't been linked to the Knicks this offseason <laughs> as Colin, well?
0: <laughs> Colin's been linked to the Knicks. I mean, there's literally like so many different ways that this could go. But, you know, I, I truly believe Colin ends up returning to Cleveland. And I mean – You got people on both sides here. You know, you really want Colin to get as much money as he can. But at the same time, you want the team to hold, you know, flexibility. You want the team to not shell out an exorbitant amount of money to kind of keep whatever cap flexibility they have when you think about having to plan for the possible extensions. Or I'm not even going to say possible. Obviously, you know that you're going to have to pay DG. Uh, yeah. You're gonna DG is probably gonna get max money. You're gonna have to plan for Evan Mobley. Who knows what the hell's gonna happen with Isaac Okoro, who has one more year on his deal, and then I think he has another option. I think he has a team option after the following after this following season. So you you just have so much planning, so much uh, forethought that needs to go into this. If you're Kobe Allman, and I think it would behoove the team to try and get the guy to sign to somewhere in the neighborhood of I see LaRon Jones on here, <laughs> that that would be a great deal. I mean, twenty to twenty two mil. If you can get him to sign for that, that's great. I mean, it but it all comes down to the year, I think, for Colin. Um, is his camp willing to say, okay, fuck it. <laughs> we'll we'll sign five years, 20 mil. That's a hundred mil. That's the same money that Jared Allen got. I just don't see that happening though.
1: Yeah, I don't I honestly don't see the mindset for Sexton because I understood it last season when he just basically always was playing. He was never a player you would define as injury prone. He was probably one of the most consistent players in terms of games played for the Cavs over the past few years he's been there. Now, though, a meniscus injury is pretty huge, especially when it cut into his season so much that going back to the same deal he had available when he was healthy – shouldn't he shouldn't view that as a slight whatsoever Or neither should his camp and the fact that the Cavs would still want to offer him five years i know like they could easily counter by saying that they're trying to get a bargain off of the injury by getting that fifth year because colin could if he has a good few seasons then obviously he'll be worth more than 20 million a year and especially with the way that nba cap keeps going up and up and up 20 million four years down the road could be what teams pay for like an above average starter and Sexton's like already kind of a fringe star starter player when he's at his best. I mean, he's two seasons away from us thinking he was possibly going to be an all star in Atlanta. Yeah. Like he had a yeah. push for that. So he can't just think that Colin Sexton's not worth $20 million. It's worth taking that swing, especially when Colin Sexton could be the needle pusher for this team. I know everyone thinks it could be that three and D w- Uh, Forward that we don't really have Right now but Colin Sexton also coming Back as 20 points per game could easily do the same Thing indeed I mean You just you think about
0: what the Team was missing heading into the Playing games and and even To a like a a More of an extent the last portion of the season With Jared Allen missing so much time I mean if you would have had a guy out there A bucket getter like Sexton that might have Had them out of the play-in So you just never truly know um, we do know that for small market teams oftentimes you have to pay a little extra to keep talent in town and that be, marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that might be what ends up happening with Colin and if that happens I think I've made myself clear numerous times You do what you got to do to sign him But at the same time you want to be able to keep that flexibility um, and so uh, for me, I, I'm about a 9, almost a 10 upon whether or not he's going to stay because I truly don't think anybody's going to be able to offer any type of cap sheet or uh, offer sheet, rather, that Cleveland would not uh, match unless somebody's <laughs> willing to offer him the max. And I just don't see that coming off that injury. Um, so, yeah, I'm about nine ten 9, 10 on whether or not he returns. But my question for you following that is, in conversely, If Colin does not return, tell me some options that you feel could that they could probably go along to try and replace some of his production.
1: I was just thinking this maybe 10 minutes ago, Mac. This is a question that I know you're you'll make you excited. (laughs) And the few listeners listening on the live will probably start a for like a fire in the comments. Hear me out.
0: Are you Colin about to Sext- drop some bullshit
1: off? <laughs> <laughs> Colin Sexton sign and trade Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving, leave leave the thoughts. You think they take that? No, I'm just wondering because these uh, we're getting vibes that the Nets don't necessarily love Kyrie, and there's every all the Cavs fans float around the. Oh my god, Kyrie back to the Cavs would be so fun. And if Colin Sexton has to go out the door. There could be some sign-and-trade opportunity between – it would be a three-teamer. I don't think Brooklyn really wants Colin Sexton, but it's just a joke. I, I, I just want to know what your thoughts are. I think it's just food for thought, you know?
0: Uh, certainly food for thought. Um, I do not see a future in that happening. Um, if it was to come to a reality, um, I mean, we know that when on, Kyrie Irving is absolutely a superior player. Colin Sexton there's that's no question there um but at the same time you know when you take on a guy like Kyrie Irving as we all know as Cavs fans you're never going to truly get 100% of Kyrie there's always <laughs> something there's there's always going to be some type of factor that is outside of basketball or health related that is going to uh inhibit him from playing you know a good amount of games um i just <laughs> It would be fun to watch him and DG. That backcourt would be fun to watch, but I just, I at this point in time, if I had to choose between the two, I'm taking Colin right now.
1: Oh yeah, I, that might sound crazy, <laughs> but it, no, it, it it's not. I mean, I think when you remove like just the name mm-hmm. per se and just looked at availability as the mm-hmm. number one thing, yeah, no, it's not really. A, and also timeline wouldn't fit at all. It was no, just no. something that like you know that that if that was a sign and trade possibility in some way i i obviously can't i just came up with it like less than five minutes ago i don't have anything readily available for packages for three teamers but it would be entertaining for about like two weeks and then Kyrie would open his third eye and we wouldn't see him
0: for <laughs> not, weeks on end. Not, the, not the third eye um i mean it if you're talking about just purely trying to if, if Colin does not end up resigning you have a couple of options out there and we know the the most readily available without having to you know trade significant assets to acquire somebody is the draft and so mm-hmm. if you are able to do that there's a couple of guys sitting there maybe in the 14 range that Cleveland could look to to try and uh, maybe not replicate To an extent that Sexton has Because I mean 24.3 Per uh, per game scores just don't Roll out of bed and yes I know he averaged what 16 plus This year but in an 11 game sample Size I'm just not taking that at face value I think Colin obviously would have Ended up rounding those stats Out I think he would have probably Finished somewhere around 18 to 20 this year Um, That's just me I don't know I could be wrong but um, You're not going to be able to replicate That in year one if you ask me, if you were to draft one of these guys. But certainly um, we're hearing a lot of buzz around Malachi Branham, um, You know, a guy who could instantly at least slot in and give you something offensively. Um, and we know the biggest question mark with him is defense on that end of the court. But even in terms of offense, what what kind of troubles me about him is the lack of volume in regards to three-point shooting. We know that was a big emphasis of what we wanted to see I think the coaching staff Wanted Colin to take more threes um, Even was it even last year Yeah uh, and, and this year too uh, In more of an off-ball role So I just I, I don't know about Malakai But that's certainly An option you could look at If Colin uh, doesn't return um, And you know You have another guy In Baji Who many people are uh, Clamoring for And Since we're live here, I have to admit something. (laughs) Ochai Abaji has fallen down my personal rankings. He has fallen to third. Wow. Care to guess who is my second? Because we know Terry Eason. That's my number one guy. Oh, my God. Is it Jalen Williams? (laughs) (laughs) It is absolutely Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams has now risen to number two in my personal rankings. Somebody who I feel at the, I believe he's listed at 6'6, six, six, maybe 6'5. Six, I don't know. Wherever you look, is a guy who could absolutely, with a seven foot two wingspan, uh, wingspan, by the way, guy who could absolutely step right in, whether it be as a starter or in a bench role, which I figure he probably would, um, and give you some very good production um coming out of Santa Clara we know that he didn't exactly play like high level competition um game in and game out but we have seen him play against some of the um some of the more namely prospects in this year's draft like Chet Holmgren (laughs) we we watched him put Chet on skates I don't know in in some of the highlights that we've seen from this guy but uh certainly could see him kind of stepping in and trying to provide some type of production in Colin's absence. Um, And this is what I really want to get your take on here. If we do perhaps, you know, end up going into next season with Colin, which I think we all hope, does that make you feel better about selecting prospect of another need? like Because we know that Colin is going to be a guy who can have the ball in his hands, whether that be uh, operating within the the confines of the second unit or um, as a secondary uh, facilitator to DG. Would that make you feel better about selecting maybe a more long-term prospect like Dyson Daniels or um, Usman Dang?
1: If Tyson Daniels was available at fourteen, that'd be awesome. But every mock draft now has Tyson Daniels creeping into the top ten, and and I just saw that basketball news mock draft um, earlier today, and they had Jalen Williams at twenty nine. And I was like, if Jalen Williams is available past twenty, which Jalen Williams,
0: which Jalen Williams, Santa
1: Santa Clara Jalen okay. Williams, yeah, yeah, i I would easily trade up past twenty to get Jalen Williams. <laughs> Like I would throw all of the second round picks, and you can take Dylan Windler with you.
0: <laughs> so you're on the Jalen Williams train now too.
1: <laughs> As just yeah, I would. I don't know if I would take him at 14 if he mm-hmm. was available, but I, if I would double dip in the first round for him, if like we could.
0: Um. Yeah, I think it would totally be dependent upon. Um. You know, outside of what it costs to trade back into the first round, but um, it would be totally dependent upon who's taken at 14. Like if you had, if you retain Kylin. Um, that there goes your need for really like cr- shot creation right there, um, th- and you still have Karis LeVert on the roster, obviously. So the minutes there are going to kind of be really, really tough to go around, and in- even when you factor in Koro into that, um, just a lot of mouths to feed. So, if if at fourteen you're taking a guy like Eason, um, then yeah, certainly you could take a swing on trying to trade back up into the first round for Williams, but. Telling you, man, um, I I really like that kid. I think he's got star written all over him. But to kind of circle back around, like if you if you had to if you ended up retaining Colin, does that does that truly make you feel better about taking one of those long term prospects?
1: I feel kind of like the inverse. If we trade away Colin, I feel like we need a more easily step in and fulfill some type of role on this team guy more than a project because the timeline right now is pushing more towards trying to get into the playoffs and you won't get further in the playoffs by drafting a player that half the time you're trying to like cultivate his skills over the period of the next few seasons. Like we need, we obviously saw in the play-in games that we needed uh, a go-to score when DG. no i'm i'm saying like if you retain colin does
0: it make oh. you would it make you feel better about taking a swing on like a long-term prospect like a, oh, for an yes. example, outside of like daniels or uh dang would you feel comfortable because we know the caps also need they have needs a backup point guard and backup center would you feel comfortable taking a prospect like mark williams out of i think duke mm-hmm. or um yeah There's just a lot of guys there that are more so developmental. It may take them maybe a couple more years to fit in. But would you feel comfortable taking a swing?
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like the way that the team is built right now, it's like we should be in the best player available mindset more than the uh, we need a player to fill X type of role. Because with Colin coming back, that's just a massive addition to the team anyway. And it's a lot of points we're getting back. It gives us a secondary ball handler we're getting back. It gives us someone that was willing to attack the rim, which Darius night to night, that's still like kind of an iffy ordeal at times. You can tell sometimes because he doesn't get any of the calls, not to sound like a homer or anything, but we we all know that Darius doesn't have the ref's respect in that regard for getting um, calls.
0: Not that. and uh, Yeah, certainly not that. And then there's like the whole – mentality of it all we know if you're looking at the two in a vacuum um you're obviously thinking that colin sexton is your slasher he's your guy who would go in and try and draw fouls and i think i said this on a previous pod if colin had stayed healthy for most of the season i think he would have led cleveland in fouls drawn or uh free throw attempts i think jared allen was the leader this year
1: Mm
0: -hmm. with like 4.3 i think that's what it was i think colin would at least cleared five
1: yeah, with the uh, animosity that Colin attacks the cup with. Yeah, I'd say so. That dude yeah. will throw himself in front of a freight train to get a free throw.
0: Very curious to see coming off that injury, whether or not he'll attack the rim with such ferocity. Um, I, I do think there's a little validity in the fact that maybe he might try and coast a little bit in regards to some of the more athletic tendencies in his game, but that's what has made him so successful as the score. So I don't know.
1: That guy, I feel like well, is one of the, the way his brain's wired, he's gonna just come back onto the floor and act like nothing's happened.
0: Yeah. Uh I will we'll have to see what happens. I think a lot of that has to do with like the role they're gonna want to roll him out there into. Um, I think at this point in time, it's safe to say that me and you are probably along the same line of thought and he should start. Um, depending upon who's drafted and whatnot, that you have to take that into account. Uh But depending upon what role they want him to play, because there are already um, semblances of the rotation, you know, and him wanting, not him wanting, but uh, J.B. Bickerstaff may be wanting to put him in more of an off-ball role. So who knows? Uh, We'll have to see when he returns, but it's definitely something that could assist the Cavs. Um, You know, I, I also wanted to talk about one of the, best things that i've seen in some time in regards to the cavaliers and that is a rebranding the cavaliers are initiating a full-on rebrand and i love it dude and just to kind of uh put a bow on this year you know everybody has seen it by now but i might as well go ahead and show it
1: (laughs) might as well i I i'll keep looking at it
0: yeah there you go right there so what do you what are your thoughts On on these logos for, you know, are you are you hyped up in in the changes that have been made?
1: It's amazing how, like, the smallest color change excites me, (laughs) like to unexplainable levels. I really am. Oh, my God. Sorry. (laughs) I really liked the uh, the gold rebrand change. Uh, I feel I love just the classic Cavalier C to me is something I don't know. It, it just does something for me. It'll I'd
0: never be. go out of style, man. Like this this is minimalist, and I love it because everybody in an age in which everybody's trying to be as flashy as hell, this just goes back. I feel like to the grassroots of uh, what this city and what this team is all about. I mean, very simplistic. Love the gold. I think there's a lot of um, a lot uh, foreshadowing here yeah. <laughs> in regards to Cleveland's future plans and whatnot. But this this is fire, man! I, I love it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm just so curious now to know what what the jerseys are going to be. Because when I initially saw the like they leaked the rebrand kind of, yeah. And when you look at that Cavalier C, you immediately think of those 2000s uniforms, like the early LeBron exactly. Uniforms. And yeah. if they brought that back, I. I would walk around with tight pants for like the next two weeks.
0: I think they're going to go with a variation of that. Like I want to see like a a wine colored jersey, kind of like that C right there. And I want to see that gold calves logo. That's what I want to see. Like I would love – and if you're talking about like the white jersey because I don't think they're going to go gold on the jerseys because that would be crazy. I don't know how the hell they would pull that off. But if you're going to go with like like a white and maybe a red calves. Uh inversely, I don't know, but there's just a lot of fun ideas, and I cannot wait until they release these things.
1: I I think there's now gonna be unrealistic hype behind these jerseys, and you know, like the Cavs team is like crap. Do they think that <laughs> those types of jerseys are coming back? And now the good news is we might have just trapped them into having I'm that sure. be our alternate jersey, at least, with like the Shit. way we saw those nineties jerseys come back two seasons ago, which I, I love those.
0: I'm gonna float this out there and I hope people are going to get pissed at me for saying this LeBron James LeBron James could come back after this next season and it would make a hell of a lot of sense to bring that as an alternative jersey back in the year that he
1: comes back if he does or just bring (laughs) it back before he comes back homecoming
0: (laughs) start it now you could yeah um that, how awesome would that be just to see that i know a lot of people whatever your thoughts on lebron returning i don't care it's it's the jersey we're all fucking excited about this coming back
1: <laughs> lebron will look really nice being the cavs seventh man when he's 42
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I'm, like, I'm not gonna get into it like a, a deep dive into that just because i know people are like oh lebron would ruin the chemistry you would I, I, whatever. I don't know. However, you feel about that, it is what it is. But these jerseys that are going to come out are going to be fire, dude. They're like, I cannot wait to see what they look like.
1: Can I, I want to know your honest opinion. I feel very out of all the rebranding, I feel the least excited about the the V with the basketball hoop kind of. You don't like that one? It doesn't do a ton for me. I get what they're trying to do going like, doing like the throwback while trying to keep it modern. But I just, I don't know. I just, I really just love the C more than anything else. I I don't know. I know it's probably going to be not like on their Maybe it will be like on their shorts or something, but it may be like on the side of the court. But overall it for me, it's just, it's the C with a dew color scheme for me. That's all I needed to see. To oh, get me I love excited. it. Yeah,
0: the the V. Yeah, I, I get that. Like, uh, I think a lot of people. I like, think the biggest complaints that I've seen about this so far are the lack of Navy. They've transitioned away from that, which as a point of contention. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I don't like that so much either. Uh, but everything else is great. I love the minimalist look. I love the gold. Uh, this the cap C. That's something that never truly goes out of style with this team, and I think you gotta have that um but yeah the, the the navy and then like this, what do you think about the shield icon?
1: I honestly have never been a big fan of the shield i I don't like that that's kind of viewed as our main logo i mm-hmm. mean. Even when you play like two K, that's like what the two K logo is for the Cavs. I'm always like, really, this is what they consider our logo to be. When I, I see
0: that logo, I always think of the black jerseys that LeBron ripped the sleeves in because it's yeah. so <laughs> goddamn big. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I just I don't know about you. The the shield for me doesn't do it. I I don't know. I don't feel like I need to see the entirety of like both the font and the logo itself within something. Like just just pick one or the other for me. I think it's just a mm. lot going on
0: that's fair okay that's fair um that is probably my least favorite uh but i i will say this it's not a bad look um moving away from the navy i think was probably like the biggest point for me where i was like i don't know about that but i loved it man i love the rebrand i think having the gold there like i said is something that's for something that i feel is in the cast future and that is another championship um this core as we talked about with Golden State and um Boston is is very organically built and I feel like they're only a few pieces away from being a right back in contention and I truly see this team competing for a title within the next 3 to 4 years. I don't know about you.
1: I mean definitely for sure. <laughs> I was uh I um oh my god. I uh, I just I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> these these jerseys. I I really I'm very upset they got rid of the blue, but I totally understand why they got there. Like I feel like ever since the championship has been tied to the black uniforms, that I feel like that's just now like an immovable object for this Cavs like branding. Every year they're like, how can we sneak in some kind of black alternate uniform? Because it's now synonymous with championships. If the Cavs never won a championship, I guarantee you our color would still be navy blue.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, there's, I think there is a large portion of the fan base that did like the black jerseys. Um, I did like them when they came out, but I didn't like like the sleeve. The sleeves, that's just... I
1: that's such know. a like a time capsule of the NBA. Yeah. Like, remember when the, all the Christmas uniforms were sleeved one year? Yeah. Just yeah, not a good look, in my opinion. Doesn't belong to basketball. The- I kind of liked the ones from the championship run, but that, again, that's definitely just good emotions tied with it where you just think of great memories. If the calves got swept by the warriors in the series of those black uniforms, I would say those were the dumbest things of all time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, opinions can change. So we'll see what they do when these jerseys come out. If they come out with a sleeve Jersey, I, I guarantee you both of us are going to be all over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much
0: uh that said yeah i mean we got more news in regards to the cavaliers in a reunion of sorts and that is luke walton has returned to the caps and for those of you who may not have been caps fans uh when he was a part of the organization or maybe too young to remember (laughs) if you're really young um he spent parts i want to say of two seasons uh with cleveland Uh, before he retired so that and that was that was almost 10 years ago man
1: i want to say say those were his
0: best years (laughs) (laughs) he has returned to cleveland as an assistant coach tell me your thoughts on that man
1: it's nice to know i put this on twitter when the news broke that i was really happy the Cavs got some early scouting of golden state for their future championship battles down the road by reuniting themselves with their former assistant coach and uh getting us some Steph Curry insider information because I don't think we need to scout the Sacramento Kings anytime soon
0: or the Lakers um you know well, true I just that. <laughs> yeah, I mean although he was unsuccessful in you know his two stints I want to say as head coach with LA and Sacramento we know that as an assistant coach he can bring a lot to the table. Um we saw how good he was in that role with Golden State for all those years. And yeah, I think the the season that Steve Kerr was out due to like the back issues, he took over. And I mean, whatever you want to say, the talent was there. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, however you want to term that, we do know that he can bring a lot in regards to creativity. And so that's what I'm looking forward to because I know one of the biggest complaints from Cavs fans was the lack of creative offense from J.B. Bickerstaff. So do you think his addition will help in that regard? Like, like uh, when you think about the Cavs offense of the last couple of years,
1: Yeah, I think so, because if you think what the greatest departure probably has been from our assistant coaching staff, it was probably Lindsay Gottlieb and her ability to develop the young talent on the Cavs. Like that was what she was always praised for amongst like the team execs and players in general. And. The thing that you always hear about Luke Wallen is he does connect really well with younger players. That's why the Lakers brought him in initially, because it was the young, like Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram group. It's pretty young the, dude himself in terms of coaching. Yeah. And that's why the Kings also brought him in, which I thought that one was a little weird. But <laughs> that also just didn't work out because I think anyone who goes to Sacramento just needs to accept that this is probably their last coaching stop. <laughs> uh,
0: that, you're not really making Mike Brown feel that welcome. <laughs>
1: You know, Mike, uh, you you left a good situation, and I'm glad you're getting another shot. You're a great guy. I just I don't I don't see this working out well for you. And this is not you being a bad coach. This is just because the Kings don't care.
0: <laughs> Kings don't care. Damn. Uh, yeah, just to just to put a ball on it, man, like Luke Walton, we know that his time as a head coach in your is probably up. I mean, I don't think he gets another chance in that regard, but I'm very excited about what he could potentially do for this offense. Um, we know that, you know, adding Colin Sexton back to this to the mix year and drafting whoever they draft the 14, because, you know, I think we're all hoping they keep that pick. Um, we'll definitely smooth things over Definitely help Because um, I think the the playing games Left a sour taste in most of our mouths In regards to offense Just because I mean, Most of the time It was just put the ball in DG's hand And let him do something And we know that that style of play These days does not work You have to have multiple shot creators You have to have secondary playmakers And guys who can go out there And get their own basket When the defense breaks you down So I think if one thing, one thing only that Luke Walton would be able to provide is ball movement. I think working in that offense in Golden State, one of the things that they pride themselves on is ball movement. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in Cleveland's offense next season.
1: It's going to be nice to have a coach being hired for offensive functioning that wasn't a basketball coach 20 years ago, like when Sidney Sunilo- was brought on everyone grabbed their pitchforks immediately It's like we want to go through this generation please and you know luke Wallen, if he's gonna do anything he'll bring some modern offensive styles into the nba i mean it's like unfair to determine if he'd be a good assisting coach based on his past head coaching stops because let's face it some coaches are just better being the second man on the bench versus the first and that's no slight overall because they're still bringing a lot to the table as an assistant coach i mean there's a reason why assistant coaches eventually become head coaches it's because they know what they're doing and luke wallon got a lot of opportunities obviously because he's a bright mind so any opportunity the Cavs can get to strengthen their coaching unit to me is great because defensively i have no qualms about where this team's going offensively i'm i don't expect jv to turn into some kind of offensive savant within the summer. So it's going to be nice to have him have another uh, voice in his ear, especially because you saw the links. Apparently there was like ties that I think Luke Wallen wanted JB to join his coaching staff at one point and then vice versa at some point. So it's nice that the two of them could finally hook up in this type of way.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's a lot that could – a lot between the two that they'd be able to share with one another that could potentially help um, the Cavalier offense. I think just all around, any way you want to look at it, um, if you're one of those people out there, one of those fans that were just kind of down on JB's offense, I mean, this is a shot. I mean, uh, a dart throw that could potentially pay off big time. So – that's just something that you can't not be a little bit excited about, uh, at the very least. So for me, I'm I'm very excited about it because there's a lot of creativity that could occur.
1: Yeah, apparently Luke Walton was also at some of the Cavs practices earlier in the season, too, once he was let go by Sacramento. So he it's not like he's going in blind either. He obviously likes something what he has seen work, from man. the Cavs. Yeah, maybe he thinks he has some ideas that so he'll add. So maybe the offense won't be as predictable as just constant pick and rolls.
0: I mean that's what the Cavs offense is predicated on. <laughs> that's <laughs> the bread and butter.
1: And if you watch any of my
0: drafts, uh, my Cavs draft uh, video, I know you do, Corey. But anybody out there that's listening or viewing, uh, that's I say that constantly. <laughs> it's just put it on a thing. T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a white T with a piece of bread on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just Jared <laughs> it's gonna... Allen and Darius Garland's the knife. Oh my god. There you
0: go. That's there you go. That that is uh merch right there. Let's do that. Hell uh the yeah. last thing that I wanted to kind of touch on here is I saw another one of those bleacher report hypothetical trades. Uh you know we love those. Yeah, uh, this one us a lot of content. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, it's great for interactions, right? <laughs> so I'll be upfront about that. Um, this one's not so bad, but it's still one that I'm curious of your thoughts on. That is, I'm sure you've seen it. Kevin Love and Jetty Osmond for Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumley, and Boston's 2024 second round pick. Straight up, like at face value, this really translates to me as Kevin Love for Gordon Hayward.
1: <laughs> wow. Shots fired to Jetty and Mason Plumlee.
0: <laughs> Uh, No disrespect there, but how, do you, how would you feel about pulling the trigger on that type of deal?
1: I feel like it doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, Gordon Hayward is probably one of the most unavailable small forwards in the league in terms of uh, playing games <laughs> ever since his leg was broken in half, pretty much on public television in the opening season. His career has never really looked the same. He has stretches where he looks good. I mean, I wanted him to like low key be on the calves when he signed with Charlotte. I thought that would have been nice. But at the end of the day, uh, Kevin Love to me is—I'm probably the worst person to ask because anytime Kevin Love gets put into a mock trade, I'm like, no, without even Homer.
0: What a Homer! I'm I'm a Homer
1: for Kevin. I mean, (laughs) save me, Kevin. Come on, Kev.
0: (laughs) Uh, I I just got to throw that SpongeBob reference in every now and then.
1: I just—I can't do it. I don't think it really does a lot for me. I know Bleacher Report loves to throw Kevin Love and Colin Sexton into every mock trade that ever comes up, ever. You know there's other players on the roster that can be moved, right, guys? I mean, (laughs) come on. Jetty Osmond is a little sweetener, I guess. But at the end of the day, I know Carter – of the chase down, really, he talked about on their last episode how he wants Gordon Hayward to be on the Cavs, and I can see where he's coming from because, like, ideally, it does work, but until Gordon Hayward plays at least, like, 60 games a season consistently, I, I it doesn't really push a lot for me, if I'm being honest. Kevin also just played, like, his most games in a season in a while, and uh, he he's, he's the vocal leader of this team, it feels like, at times, so that's also a factor. They'd lose that so,
0: yeah, I, I mean, that that's completely fair. I think I would not pull the trigger on this deal either. Um, I just purely based upon injury history with Gordon Hayward. I know Kevin Love has his own lengthy uh, injury history, but we did just see him come off a season in which he should have won <laughs> six man of the year, uh, respectfully over Tyler Hero, who was a no show in the playoffs
1: if you weren't gonna say it i was going to
0: (laughs) so um yeah i mean not to mention uh, did you see the controversy (laughs) i was debating on whether or not i should even bring that up with the controversy that is surrounding him right now with this uh with the cheating
1: (laughs) yeah was it i I saw like someone tweet it. i was gonna look to see what it was but was it that he got injured because he cheated on his girlfriend
0: Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I just, uh, all I saw is that is what transpired. And obviously, you know,
1: that's his life. It is what it is. But uh, (laughs) I mean, when Jack Harlow makes a song about you, can your career go any higher? (laughs) It's all downhill for him from there. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I
0: mean, he was a no show in the playoffs. That, to me, is telling about how effective he can be. I know he got injured, you know, whatever you want to call it. But Kevin Love should have won that six-man-of-the-year award.
1: Kevin Love would never cheat on Kate Bach in the postseason (laughs) and get a bruised hamstring. He'd be a man and just pull it jogging up the court. Oh, man.
0: We might get killed for saying that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I hear Uh, Jack Harlow knows, guys.
0: (laughs) But – but I'm absolutely not pulling the trigger on that deal. Um, I think and I also have, say how
1: little that trade makes sense for Charlotte because if there's anything that people have said Charlotte needs, it's a big, like a, a true center for their team. And they're basically trading away their one true center. So it's going to be Kevin Love and Montrez Harrell for them. Does that solve any of their problems? Um, well, I think
0: mo- a lot of mocks have them possibly taking Mark Williams. Yeah, um, which would solve their center issue. And so, you know, I actually like Mark Williams. Um, I think he's a more of a long-term prospect. Um, certainly wouldn't probably select him at 14 for the Cavs based upon what their other needs are. But, yeah, I don't know. Just to circle back there. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them.
1: Yeah, Mark Williams kind of gives me Jackson Hayes vibes. So I'm a little iffy on that. I feel like young... Centers you take in the mid round, like mid tens Mm -hmm. of the draft. It's such a dart throw. I think it's a bigger dart throw with bigs, honestly, than it is guards.
0: It is to me like always uh, a bigger dart throw, just because, especially in that area of the draft. Um, I think you can get a serviceable backup center in the late first or second or early second. And Sometimes I think,
1: you get an MVP big during a Taco Bell <laughs> commercial and you just you never know.
0: Uh yeah, you just never know what's gonna happen. But yeah, I would absolutely not pull the trigger on that trade. Cleveland just needs to stand pat. They don't they don't listen to Bleacher Report. That's the bottom no. line.
1: Dude, these Bleacher Report people, if they ever become GMs, the league would be wild. You give all 30 of these Bleacher Report writers like an NBA team and just have them have like a online league on 2K and watch all the shitty trades just fly around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's not to say like um, – because Bleacher Report, they, they do have some talented writers on hand. Um, I just – I don't get it. Like when it comes to the Cavs, some of these ideas that are floated out there to me are just – I don't know. That, well, most it, of it's, these it's,
1: trades are like the one trade for every team. So half the time mm-hmm. it's one writer who has to go come up with 30 different trade ideas. If I had to pump yeah, out that's that tough. article that's every tough. week, like breacher report wants them to do, I would also mm-hmm. be throwing Kevin. Love yeah. Trades all the time. They're like, Oh, easy cap shift. <laughs> Kevin love done.
0: Yeah. So I, I'll, you know, I'll walk that back. You gotta be a little easier on bleacher report writers who have to do these, but uh, I don't know. I just, I do not like the, some of the, ideas that come out i'll just i'll leave it at that
1: i also don't think any bleacher report writers are really chomping at the bit to be like oh please give me the Cavs article i'd love to write about the Cavs. yeah <laughs> they're I, like can i just write about the lakers and how they should move russell westbrook for like seven different players <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're gonna end up russell's gonna end up playing for the next season it's, it's just woeful man like for them i i i do feel bad for LA legitimately just because they really fucked themselves when they decided to bring them on.
1: Their team would have been infinitely better with the buddy heel trade that was on the table. And that's like the coldest, that's like the coldest take of all time. Like everyone knows that's true, but I just imagine how different their team would have been. I mean, we can't really predict that like the injury still wouldn't have been the same because both LeBron and AD were banged up, but obviously Russell Westbrook wasn't really the needle pusher that we thought he was going to be for being a regular season player.
0: Yeah. I mean, don't sleep on a Kyrie, a Kyrie LeBron uh, reunion in LA. We'll see what happens, but we are, we're obviously uh, flying off the rails here in regards to our Cavs talk, since this is a Cavs (laughs) podcast. So I guess that's a good way to end the night, right?
1: Yeah. You know, talk about Russell Westbrook, Kyrie (laughs) trades, So that's what these all came in for perfect
0: way to top it off um as we always tell you guys if you like to reach out to us you can at it's cavalier underscore pod on twitter TikTok, instagram youtube and more if you like to be added to the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you can you know what to do leave a rating leave a review send a screenshot of said review to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com and we'll personally add you have a good night